going to tell weird stories this week because I'm in a great mood. And things have things have things are on the up and up, Peter. Uh, the struggles are complete for now. Mercury is in retrograde. For, unfortunately for everyone, and fortunately for us, we were just discussing this. We're kind of superhuman in the Mercury retrograde, and I, I'm sorry to everyone out there. This is when I operate at my peak, and we're about to enter summer months. Here's the thing. Every year, the same struggles, the same things over and over. I got to tell you, I don't know how much of this part I can tell. I'm starting to think, and I texted you about this, Peter, that my partner is has possible supernatural powers. Yes. Or as I referred to him, an unaware witch. And here's what, here's what I'm going to say. I can't say all of it right now. There are three parts to this. Two of them are identical parts. The third one I can't reveal. Just Not that it would ever even matter, but like for the timing of everything right now until he gets functionally set, I won't reveal it. But twice in a row in Atlanta, we've moved into a place. We've re-signed the lease on this place. He has then exclaimed that he wishes he had not re-signed the lease there, that we could have gone somewhere better. And then within two weeks, we can look up the exact timing on this. Within two weeks... Something crazy happens with the water, with flooding, with the septic, with uh, pipes bursting, with leaks in the building. And what do we do? We end up in the place that he wants to be. It's crazy. There's a third thing here that happened in the middle of us moving Friday, Peter. Now, I also texted you. This is how we show that, like, this isn't just a podcast. We are we are companions in this life so far and in this timeline. We've been brought together. But I sent you our co-star reading for the day of what I should be doing with Benny on Friday as I'm moving into my new apartment. And it said, rearrange a room with Benny. And I said, you know, is this a little, you know, is this a little too on the nose here? It is, but it's uh, the way things work. And then he received a mysterious phone call where all of our worries had been uh, placed that was eased away by this phone call. And it was magical. And I just told him, I go, you, I think you are unaware of your supernatural pull the Scarlet Bitch is what I call it. Because if he has a few of those beers and he does his magic, it's he's the Scarlet Bitch. I saw the Doctor Strange movie, Peter, but I also saw Everything Everywhere all the time. Oh, I want to see that. Have you not seen it yet? No. I'm going to say this, and this is, I, this is an honest review with no spoilers. It's one of my favorite film experiences from the last 10 years. I think I cried twice. I enjoyed myself the whole time. And I love that at the end, I had a conversation with myself trying to talk myself out of loving this movie so much where I was like, but this wasn't explained here or this or that. And then I realized like that's where people get caught up and where people get obsessed in life and where people get lost down a rabbit hole, dude. And uh, I'm just going to live in the moment of what happened. And that was a crazy fucking movie. Everything, everywhere, all the time. Or is it all at once? Uh, I don't. Everything, know. everywhere, all at once, or all the time. I don't have a phone anymore, Peter. I'm getting my phone repaired. Not only am I changing living locations, I will be looking at it, my new phone. It's all working out, but I, I can't Google things right away. Everything, everywhere. Just look for that. I don't know. We'll get it right. I know the name of the movie. I've seen it a hundred times, but I don't have to functionally remember every bit of data. But I'm talking about falling off the deep end a little bit for a reason. Because last week, in the middle of chaos, before I even knew I would have a place to stay before any of our problems were dealt with, before I had a toilet, after we had left the Hampton Inn, which I love my former landlord now, I can say that, sending me FYI emails on the construction updates as if I was still going to be paying 156 with tax per night at the Hampton Inn because that's the one the dog can stay at that's not a Ramada, Peter. 
So I need her to understand that from April 28th, I was supposed to be just riffing this rate and getting FYI emails on construction updates. What a joke. Now, Peter, the story I'm going to tell you now, I don't know. I may have told this to you before. Maybe not. This might be a new story, but it has to do with a central theme of last week for me, which was uh, the constant need for me to move. Right. Do you want to know what that is? Open the fridge. Nobody gives a shit. I love this. Yeah, astrologically, please fill me in. Uh, Gemini Prince birthday twin. Oh, I'm going yellow. My God, this is incredible. Uh, support Ukraine. We start. We literally started this impromptu. So there's going. To, there's going to be a few background. I think there is music playing at the beginning. Of I think this, people so. like it. Peter, I think people like just being able to sit I, yeah. and fly on the wall. I don't think we need to worry. So for people that don't know, if you're unaware of the story of me, I started working out of the back of trucks uh, at moving companies when I was 16, like right at my 16th birthday, because the first summer it was like 15, June, I turned 16, I'm legally able to go work on the trucks. And I like my independence and I liked having money and I was still living with my parents. So I did this almost, uh, I think every, every summer except for one while I was in college. I graduated from college with no plan with a public relations degree with a minor in African-American studies and technological uh, systems, double minor. It's a weird story. And I had nowhere to go. Public relations, you know why I picked it to begin with? Because I was like, schmoozing and boozing, baby, that sounds fun. Like, what else do you do? And now it's, as as uh, as a study, it has shaped my worldview in a way where I think I'm one of the only people who really understands public relations. And that movie... The multiverse possibility, that's kind of a PR thing because you've got to think of every bad thing that could happen. And boy, in the moving industry, I saw every bad thing that could happen, not just dropping a piece of furniture, but people's people's entire lives just being uh, functionally disgusting and them being unaware of it. It's you have to you really start questioning like where's my brain at in all of this when you see how certain people live. Even on streets that look like mansions and beautiful neighborhoods and HOAs, there are people who are living in uh, desolation inside of these walls. And after I graduated, I took a management position in Florida. I've discussed this before. I ran a moving company for over 7 years down there. I have as Two men in a truck. Two men in a truck. And listen, they're good at some things. They're not great at I some get things. Weird tailors. Like you'll text me and I'll see that truck. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it's it was a part of my life for a long time. They're very good at branding. They're very good at making you think they're from their hometown. Everybody goes, Aren't you you started here? And you go, No, ma'am. Uh, we're a global thing. It doesn't matter. But I did the calculations and I think I've been in well over 10,000 houses in my life. And I think for people that work frontline jobs, I think of like exterminators or people who do carpet or people who do in-home sales or those sort of things, they see parts of this. And I think they have a better perception of people. But when you are moving someone's entire life, when you're putting it into a box, when you're putting it into a new space where they are physically going to live and be present in uh, most of their time, you learn a lot about people very quickly. And so when you're in that many homes, when you see that many different people, you learn how to be able to just like, I'm walking into a nightmare. This person has a very different worldview than me. I have to woo and sway them, and I don't want to. I don't want it to happen. I want it to go wrong, and I can only make it go right because I'm too good at this shit. So 
early in my career as I'm going to these houses and I'm trying to make money, man. It's all about let's it's money on the books, baby. Capitalism rules. We got to fill these trucks. These guys want to work. We want to make money. We want to go home with more. We got to get these moves, even if they're fucking horrible. And I remember this as the first time in moving that I threw up and it wasn't from overworking. It wasn't from being out in the sun. I can go in a ring because I can go on a truck. I can move somebody's house in a few hours and just knock it out. And it's physically crazy. You just lift heavy things. You do cardio. I'm singing the whole time because I have undiagnosed ADD. Guys are like pissed at it, but I'm too good at the job. Either way, I want this move. I go into this house. Now, the situation I'm presented with, I'm called by the daughter of this person who has died. Now, this is common. And usually these moves are easy because nobody's there breathing over your neck. They don't give a shit. They're taking it to storage or to an estate sale. But this was different. And I was informed that she would meet me there, her and her husband, and uh, we would look at the house and that the mother's former partner was still living in the house and that they just, they had a lot of stuff there. So, okay. A lot of stuff doesn't scare me. It sounds like money. And uh, if somebody died, maybe they got money. I don't know. So I pull up to this house and it's in a fairly nice part of town. It's not far from where we, you know, have our shop at this time. And... There's a car parked out front with a guy in it. And I said, hey, here to meet, you know. And he, said, he just pointed at the door, which was already cracked. And this is, it's already a bad sign, man. And so I've got my little notepad. Uh, there was a time a guy got fired who called me a short, short wearing WrestleMania-ass loving motherfucker. And my, you know, assistant manager said, he, he's not wrong. And so I'm probably wearing short khakis. Probably got a hot leather belt. Probably got some cute Vans. Uh, Peter Millar. Uh, polo, it's overpriced, but you want to look good. Got my notepad, probably a tight little brunette haircut. And I open this door, and I'm going to describe this exactly as it was. Some people say, oh, Effie's exaggerating. Peter, I'm looking at you right now. This is no exaggeration. This house is uh, waist deep in broken TVs. Okay? Stacked. All models, all types, big console TVs. Every room of this house, stacked. But it's not just the floors that are a maze of televisions. Every single wall in this house, Peter, is covered floor to ceiling with porcelain dolls. They're all in cases. They're all in various states of distress. This house doesn't have a lot of air conditioning, it seems. There's an odd odor in the air. There's clearly some kind of something growing on the stuff. And... First, I'm greeted by the daughter, who is stepping over items and TV. I mean, literally a maze. And we're going to talk more about hoarding as a... You know, I have a lot of hoarding experience, Peter. And it's probably why I throw so much of my shit away. Because I don't ever want to hoard. It's why I go to my parents' house and throw shit away without telling them. Because I warned them long ago that if you leave this for me to deal with, it's going to be a problem. And if I have to deal with it now, I will. You don't need that many pans. Okay? So, uh, how many TVs... Physically hundreds of TVs. And we'll get to the garage where there were even more. So, and this will all make a little more sense or make even less sense in a moment. I'm greeted by the daughter and she kind of has that look on her face like, I wish I I could end it, but there's too many people counting on me. And I do the greeting. I say, hey, you got a lot of stuff here. Got a lot going on. She said, I tried to tell you, it's a lot of stuff. And then from the back room is one of the people I'll never forget in my life. And who knows what became of this man? But Bobby came from the back room. And now, Bobby, you see my hair right now, right? Bobby had kind of this going on. Okay. And so this isn't me saying I'm anything like Bobby. I'm not. But maybe one day. (laughs) 
you got to be careful. And Bobby is quite flamboyant. And the daughter has made it seem like they were romantic partners. And they possibly were. There's a lot of weird lavender marriages in the U.S. You know about a lavender marriage, don't you? Lavender marriage is when a homosexual and possibly a lesbian or a straight woman who deals with it uh, go into a marriage that functions to fit into American society. It's a lot easier to just not fuck and have your things on the side and know about stuff in your lavender marriage than to just be a big queer. I'm going to watch my words here. It's my podcast, but just not to make anyone uncomfortable. I call that roommates. Roommates. Sharon has been a roommate for 41 years. I love it. Like it's for me, work the system that works for you. But I'm going to tell y'all it's fun out here. It's fun out here. Uh, so Bobby comes out, Bobby has kind of a blonde, wild hair thing going, short shorts on, tank top, flip flops, uh, and I believe uh, some sort of necklace. And he is roughly, and I don't know, maybe between 45 and 65. I don't know. Because this person is, they're, they're wildin'. Not a lot of teeth. That's not a problem for me. I got a lot of friends in my life without teeth, but I just want you to be aware. And Bobby says, hello, hello. Now, I'm then explained that uh, it's explained to me that Bobby is a TV repairman. So, a lot of these TVs he's working on. Okay. And that this doll collection that I see is a little backed up. A little backed up. You know, it's hard out here to. There's just such a demand for repairing. We got to get to the part of the TV. When you get enough orders in, it's fine. The porcelain doll collection, I am told, is worth. $400,000 $400,000 to half a million dollars okay. and will need very, very special packing and care. I'm looking at these moldy old dolls and I, they're looking back going, if you could just kill us too, please, God, burn it. And But I'm playing it cool. Like For me, I'm playing it cool. It's awesome. All right? Whatever we got to do. This is crazy. Fuck it. We'll sell you some boxes to put the dolls in. And as we go through this house... We look at the garage next, and there's some sort of orange slime on the floor that I'm not sure of, of the floor that you can see. The rest is floor to ceiling, again, with TVs and boxes and wet documents, it seems. Now, like the living room... orange? We'll find out soon. (laughs) The living room was covered in these dolls, floor to ceiling. The dining room... Both side bedrooms. There are dolls in every room, and that's not what's just in there. There's still TVs and boxes and beds and furniture. But then we get to what, in the hoarding world, we call the nest. Are you familiar with the nest? The nest is the main living functional area of a hoarder. And a hoarder has the hoard and lives within the hoard, but the hoard cannot be managed. And so they pick and choose their spaces, their paths. That's why there's a little maze to get back there. And in this room where the nest of the hoarder is, uh, is where the mother died. And she nest died of at- the hoarder sounds like a metal band. <laughs> the, yes. Now, Nest of the Hoarder is a horrible place because it's a very personal place and it's the most cleaned up of the filth that you'll see and you sort of can find the core of a person at their nest, you know? We're, we're functional enough to be able to kind of spread our nest out so we're not, you know, in just one space. But what happens is something like this. The daughter uh, explained that the mother died in this room and they had to take the bed out and put a hospital bed in and they offered to put a couch in there, but Bobby did, never took the couch and would just sl- either sleep on the floor or the side of the hospital bed. So the hospital bed is still in this room. The mother is not, and, and we're not going to reveal a dead body in this story. I just want to clear this up as we were discussing okay, Sam Raimi earlier. The orange goop is not a dead body. I wish it was. I wish it was. So 
the nest, the first thing that I'm told by Bobby about this room is the air cleanser. And it's a very small, maybe a one foot by one foot square box that is some kind of air cleanser that you'd get at like a Brookstone. And he said, as long as this is running, the air is safe to breathe in this house. And I didn't know why he was saying that. And we'll get to why. The dolls that had been on the walls of every other room, the dolls in here were a little bit more petite. They weren't the giant porcelain dolls. But I will describe to you the center of this nest where you have this hospital bed to the side and there's a little dresser with that thing on it. But from ceiling to floor and then centrally to a blanket and pillow of Bratz dolls, like you would buy for a little girl, the Bratz dolls, pillows and blanket, Okay, is every type of Barbie, Bratz doll... Uh, cabbage patch doll, all of these dolls, and they are all facing into the center of where this blanket and this pillow are, where he sleeps and where his functional central nest is that he has created for himself after this completely dark trauma of somehow losing, I guess, the person that was either blockading him or was willing to accept him for who he was. And all the dolls look down, and not just to the edge of the floor, like to the edge of the blanket where the body would lay, all the dolls are facing centrally to this. And I'm not going to make a comment. And the daughter is just, her shame just grows. And you just want to be there for someone like that. But you also go, you probably should have stepped in five years ago and you were partying in Acapulco and, you know, doing K. I don't know. I don't know. She seemed like she had a past. So I leave after all of this. And witnessing what I witnessed. And I pull into a gas station as quick as I can. And this isn't the peak of the story. Because it'll all come to fruition here. And this is also a tale of how unfettered capitalism is destructive to not only those around you, but to self. And I threw up in a trash can by a gas pump three times. It's not like I'd been chugging things all day. It's not like I'd been eating a lot of food. I, I was heaving into a trash can after this. And I couldn't tell if it was because as a human, I was uncomfortable with what I had dealt with psychologically and, and seeing how far someone can fall off the tightrope because we balance every day, Peter, we're on the tightrope. It's not easy to balance. You got to look one foot after the other. There's a lot of wind. There's a lot of things coming at you. You ever watch most extreme elimination challenge? No, it's a Japanese game show that was dubbed in America uh, with English to kind of make it more lighthearted and fun. But there's one part I always remember where you have to walk across this shaky bridge and they shoot balls at you. And that's sort of like being on the tightrope of life. And there are a lot of ways we fall off the tightrope. You know, crazy cat lady's got 100 cats. Hoarder's got a nest. You know, Jeff's got 300 motorcycles and he can't stop buying them. And every woman can't see through his facade. We all fall off that tightrope sometimes, and it's a little dangerous. But then I realized that it could be something else, and my health might just be in danger. Maybe the air wasn't safe to breathe in this house. But did that stop me, Peter? No, it did not stop me. I continued forward. I wrote up the estimate. <laughs> I sent it to the daughter, and we sent two trucks that Saturday to try to put a dent in it. I said, there's no way it's going to get done. We'll try to get as much big stuff out of there so we can move to the smaller packing and we showed up and the daughter was not there and she was not answering her phone. And it was odd. You know, we had confirmed this. We confirm our moves. I don't want to show up to a situation like this. And I've got two trucks. I got five or six guys out there that are just going to be hauling. Most of this stuff's going to the trash first. We'll focus on the belongings later. And a man walks out in a hazmat suit. 
this point, I am called to the property. And I discussed with the man with the hazmat suit what had already been discussed with my employees. Because grown men talk, you know. If they're there, he's going, hey, guys. Here's what he said. Hey, guys, we were brought in because there's actually, uh, we've discovered in the home inspection as she was trying to sell this home, uh, that there was a lot of different types of bacteria and mold in this house. And two of them, we cannot physically determine what they are. We've brought in for testing and it is completely unsafe to be in there or breathe any of this air if you don't have a full respirator suit. So as I was schmoozing and boozing, as I say, PRing and trying to sell this horrific thing, instead of walking in and going, no, fuck this. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I can't go any deeper into this hole. I sent a whole crew out there. And thank God they didn't go in the house. They were stopped before I did. But I spent a good 25 to 30 minutes inside of that house with Bobby and the daughter. And Bobby was crazy. And now I wonder if it was Bobby that was crazy, if the mold made him crazy, or if that beautiful chemical combination just made some sort of creature. Um, I was a lot more cautious about the moves I took. But I still saw things in the moving industry that I feel like have made me a lot closer to understanding humans, but have also made me completely revulsed by what humans can do. Um, and I'll leave it with this. Most of the time, human filth accumulates similarly. If you go into a space where people are living, human filth accumulates similarly over time, no matter what you're doing or not doing in that home. You know, if you clean it all up, it obviously does not accumulate. But if you go into someone's home, but in this case, it was untold mold that set us on a path of destruction. And maybe it was part of the human experience that was making me throw up. Like maybe it was Bobby who was a little bit crazy. But the mold also made me heave into that trash can. And thank God I don't have to do that job anymore. I just spent a lot of money moving last week, and I get worried in times like this. But in the middle of moving my own house to the third floor from the second floor and having to explain to my beautiful partner that that couch ain't even coming out of the first house, much less going in the second one, it was a reminder of the past times and how much I have put physical labor in my life and how now... Uh, future going forward, the only physical labor will be in the match. Everything else, push me around in a golden wheelchair, baby. I've done it. I've done it. Peter, how are you after that? You see why I couldn't get into that story last week because I wanted to give it the depth and the truth. That happened to me when I was 22 years old, and I'm 32 in a few weeks. In less than a month, I'm 32. But goodness, that is such a ridiculous like it sounds like a David Lynch movie. It's just like a it, like a scene from Mulholland Drive. Listen, A twenty four films. I've seen shit you've put money into that is not even that great. Let's produce this one. Let's get it right. Let's learn a lesson together. I'm down to win an Oscar just so I can burn the place down. And I would never. No, I would love it. Let's do it. Let's do a film. <laughs> the evil spores the spores man what was causing all of our grief it was the spores all along maybe that was the happening with mark Wahlberg. i'm not sure uh when i first moved to atlanta in my early 20s uh with my girlfriend at the time we moved into uh an apartment that had black mold growing in it awesome and uh after moving out i was like oh i actually feel quite a bit better <laughs> My body isn't repulsed by the air I breathe anymore. And just and then like looking back on it, I was like, oh, it's just like a little sick that entire time. Yeah. It just kind of creeps a up. A never on ending you. sickness. So from that. if there's some some unknown alien spore growing in their house, it might have just slowly gotten hold of them. 
I think it got a hold of everyone. And I think it's still here with me today trying to tell its story. I, you'd be surprised how many people would yell at me after I told them. They'd be like, we have to move out because of black mold. And I'd be like, I'm not sending my employees into black mold. They would get real mad. But it's like, listen, if you're already in the mold, baby, at least get it out of the house. Plus, the spores attached to everything. Nobody wants to be breathing that in. No, we had to throw all of our stuff away. Peter, I'm going to have strong opinions during this episode, too, about a particular... I thought they were my uh, one of my uh, what do you what do you call your like your Joker to your Batman? What is that? Villain? Not a villain necessarily. Oh, like your nemesis, nemesis, my arch nemesis. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about it a lot. And first, I have to tell you, God bless all the promotions that are bringing me out. God bless everyone who's picking up the airfare. Airfare is through the fucking roof, and the novelty of I don't have to wear my mask in the airport has completely worn off. This week, I was going to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I only had one show this weekend, which I think is still kind of incredible to do because uh, I was in the middle of a move, and part of me says, well, you got to go make money and wrestle, but the other part of me says, thank God I'm getting out of there in the middle of this move because at least he'll be able to just put stuff where he wants it, and I won't stand there like an idiot waiting for instruction because once you get it all in the house, he's got to decide kind of where, where you want to put it. You know what I mean? And where do you want to put yourself? Do you want to put yourself in a boring situation? Or do you want to put yourself somewhere magical, somewhere incredible, and somewhere with free entertainment? I'm talking about enjoy wrestling. You could be watching a lot of things out there, but it won't give you the same spark and satisfaction as the sick ethos and magic of Enjoy Wrestling. Enjoy Wrestling Renegade is a new three-part YouTube series, and it premiered last Thursday. It's the reason we put the podcast out early, but this week we have even more action premiering Thursday night on YouTube for free. Get in the chat, let them know what you think, and check out this wrestling. I've participated with Enjoy Wrestling before. I've done commentary for Enjoy on the first season. I wrestled and did commentary on the second season. And now in this third season, we have a lot of cool action happening. Like last week's episode with Trisha Dora versus Alec Price and Violence Since Forever taking on Kings of the District. I got to see Elo Neal this weekend. We'll talk about that. Very good wrestler. But this week, folks, this week, we have a real treat. And one of my closest hombres in the Georgia scene and in my life is in this episode because the main event is going to feature Zicky Dice, the outlandish Zicky Dice, who you may recognize from Twitch, who you may recognize from Impact Wrestling, taking on Edith Surreal in a first-time matchup. This is incredible. Two of my favorite performers. Edith obviously has been a part of a lot of the big gay brunches. Ziggy Nice has been a part of my close life, and we have lots of beautiful moments together here as well as in the ring. I know, I know Zicky from the Knocked Loose show because that was the last time I saw him. Zicky and Peter hung out at the Knocked Loose show in Atlanta. If we you had a know. really weird interaction with a stranger while we were there. It was, it was a moment. That doesn't surprise me at all. When you two put energies together, weird strangers are going to come confess themselves. I've watched both of you uh, unknowingly get people through therapeutic moments in their life just, just by proxy of being there. So combined, listen, Zicky Dice is magic. Edith Surreal is magic. But we also have a huge, big, I think this is an eight-person matchup. The Rip City Shooters, Wes Barkley and Josh Bishop, and the production, who I believe is Derek Direction and Ziggy Heim, taking on MSP Divide Baby, one of my favorite new tag teams here at the last Big Gay Brunch, Billy Dixon, shout out Billy Dixon, congrats on the retirement coming up soon, and Mikey Montgomery, who is such a sweetheart, such a, a, a strong young talent, and one of the Bitcoin boys. 
it's going to be an eight person scramble magic party combo. I don't know. It's going to be sick. Enjoy wrestling free on YouTube Thursday, 8 PM. And, uh, in the weeks to come, you're going to get to see, Oh, that's right. Lee Moriarty versus speedball, Mike Bailey and MV young taking on AEW superstar JD Drake. How sick of an ad read was that? Just <laughs> extremely all sick. of it. I love it. I got to actually do a show this weekend. And I, like I said, I saw Eel and Neil because I went up to first wrestling. Now first wrestling, uh, with me being a big, uh, Prince fan and Prince birthday twin. I had done the first Avenue before with them, but this was a venue that they had not run in a while. That's a VFW that you can see a lot of their older YouTube matches. A lot of crazy matches have taken place here. It's a very cool building. It's very awesome to be in and it's very tight and chaotic, but I had to get there first. And like I said, with the airport, it's wearing off, Peter. I'm not enjoying all these idiots who are flying right now. And I thought the prices of these flights would put them down. Like I just did airfare for Vegas coming up. I just did airfare for Chicago and uh, LA coming up. Insane. I mean, prices have literally doubled for airfare and there are more people than ever in there. Just mask free, living it, going on wild redneck vacations. It's getting to be a little stuffy in the airport. Uh, It should bring trains in more. I think trains are great. Amtrak tickets, I don't know how much they've gone up, but they used to be kind of comparable, which was confusing. But now maybe they were playing the long game and we're going, that's a pretty cheap price on an Amtrak. Plus you get to sleep longer. You have a reason for not being there on time. Kind of incredible. Uh, The TSA, man. Back to Arch Nemesis. And this, I'm going to be honest with you. We clear things up by the end of this episode. But I'm going to be a pissy little boy because I was during the time that this was occurring. I go through this clear line all the time and it keeps getting longer because more people keep getting clear and that's fine, but just, it takes a while. Every time I hear getting clear, I just think of Scientology. You know, I'm a level eight clear now, which means they let me actually be a TSA agent. I get to verify my own boarding pass and I randomly select myself to feel myself up because it's the only time I feel complete. The TSA and clear work together sometimes, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, you got to still show your ID. You're like, no, I don't. Functionally, I do not. Y'all made an agreement. But alas, I get into the line, and I'm thinking to myself, Peter, I'm going to be real honest here, and I'm not going to dance around this. I think to myself, hey, I'm not even traveling with any drugs in my bag today. I'm being really good. Awesome job. Okay? False. Oh, no. (laughs) But... We're going to get to that. Um, My bag is pulled. I'm going, what even could be pulled from my bag? She pulls it. She starts digging around. She pulls out a wine cork. Now, I had forgotten that I had a wine cork in my backpack because I was living out of a backpack in a Hampton Inn and in my apartment for a while, and I have to bring a wine cork. My partner loves a good bottle of red and doesn't like a twist open bottle. You got to have a wine cork on hand. And so in the process of moving everything, I'm not even thinking, oh, I better remove this wine cork from my bag because everything I own is in pure chaos. Why would I even remember I own a wine cork at this moment? I also just paid a lot of money. And so I'm not thinking about my stuff. I'm going, I just got, we paid for this apartment. Oh man. So she says, it's this wine cork. I go, okay, well it's yours now. Like I don't, it's a $3 wine cork. I'm done with it. I don't care anymore. So she takes the wine cork and gives me my bag back and I get to the flight and I open the pocket, Peter. Dog, there's a full eighth in the pocket. The same pocket she pulled the wine cork out of. And I'm thinking, 
you know what? What a blessing. What a sweet blessing for her not to look any deeper. Or maybe she didn't see it at all. Or maybe she already, you know, they can see kind of what they're looking for on the screen. Now, it was in a better case. It's fine. It is what it is. But I'm thinking, you idiot. You're leaving a wine cork in a bag that you don't think has weed in it. That you just have so much weed around that it's just in the bag. Then I proceed over the course of the weekend. And I'm jumping ahead to find uh, a one-hitter. And two joints, just in other places. I got to clean my bag out more often. I will clean my bag out more often. But also, TSA, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Y'all are not good at this. My wine cork? The wine cork. Even if I screwed it into your chest, Peter, it wouldn't get deep enough to get through the bone. And if I tried to stab you again, I would have to unscrew it from you and then... Oh, you... Mean like a wine um, opener? Oh yeah, 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 like a cork, a decorker. I'm calling okay. it a cork, but you I know what I'm talking about. A literal, just no, small... no. I'm sorry for the confusion. It's the thing that you, the corkscrew. There you go. I don't like saying. Okay, that makes sense. I don't like using words like screw around the kids. Corkscrew. Because I, I was, I think that's let's call awfully, it a corky. That's awfully specific. That Taylor carries around just a one re, cork, a one cork for rebottling. <laughs> That's what I took it as. No, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. Corkscrew. Clear that up. Good good thing. Uh, I would have to corkscrew it into you again. It just doesn't make sense as a choice of weapon when I have these ham bones attached to my arms. Is, was it one with like a tiny little knife on it or was it? No, it didn't even have. The, it was the simplest version of like, screw it in, pop it up. Ah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, either way, found a lot more to smoke. Thank God. Dark Sheik was with me this week and we'll get to that and it helped. Um uh, they did not find what they probably should have found, nor did the dogs. I didn't see the dogs, but I assume dogs are around. I got to I gotta be more cautious, though, Peter. I'm saying that publicly. I'm going to be more cautious. I'm going to be very careful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not bring it, okay? That's a good little Mercury retrograde thing, that getting pointed out at you and just being like, yeah. you should repack your bag. <laughs> You're an idiot, kid. That's what I heard. Uh so I arrive in Minneapolis very early, earlier than I expected, uh, and I said, well, perfect. And I go outside. <laughs> I'm such a dick, Peter, and this continues me being a little bit of a dick. I'm only a dick to certain people, and usually it's the TSA. And so I'm going to, we're going to clear this up, Peter. I'm making myself out to be a little bit of a villain here to learn a story. I didn't like the lead character and everything everywhere all at once, all the time at first, but you learn, all right? And you're going to learn about Effie. And I'm gonna, we're gonna come full circle on this. I go outside to the smoking section and I light up one of the joints once I land in Minneapolis. Now, I think it's legal there medically, but I'm in that mood where I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I made it. Y'all can't do shit. And the TSA officer walks into the smoking section with me to light his cigarette and he says, what are you doing? And I go, I'm just vibing, man. And I hit it again. I swear to God, Peter, I said, I'm just vibing, man. And I hit it again. He didn't say anything else. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Go back inside. I'm not bringing it through security. I already got through y'all. I'm free, even though I'm on federal property. And this is just not a wise idea. Either way, I get in the car and I say, hey, what's up, promoter? And they said, listen, it's too early. Go see if you can hang out with Devon Monroe. And I said, cool. So I ended up getting some French toast, some bacon, with Devon Monroe, I took a nap, and then we got to go to first wrestling at the VF Dub. Now, I got there just in time to do a nice John Edwards of uh, pretending to help put the ring up, and then everybody started to arrive, so I wasn't worried anymore. I got to see Cody Lane. I got to see Dan the Dad. 
got to see Dark Sheik, obviously Devon Monroe. We got Diner Brunch earlier. Uh, Eric Cannon was there. It was we had a great time. We did we did a good vibe. We kept sneaking out of the VFW to smoke these joints that I found in my bag, and we had a huge triple threat match for Devon Monroe's Uptown Championship. Now Effie doesn't lose in 2022, but technically. I did not win the match. I don't. It's a triple threat, so I don't know. I was actually the one pinned. It's a sick match, though. And one of the best moments is Dark Sheik put us in a double abdominal stretch, ass to ass, and the crowd chanted butt to butt. And I was oh, like... Oh, I'm so glad. I saw that yes. photo, and that was the first thing I thought. They did not chant ass to ass. They chanted butt to butt. And so I was like, oh, oh no, this is my requiem for a dream. Like, this is the... Is this the bottom? And I was like, the bottom feels pretty good. But also, like, our bottoms were hitting each other. It's okay. It made sense in my head. Dark Sheik, what a fucking legend. I just want to say... I appreciate Dark Sheik so much because she's someone I've known in wrestling a long time. But the more we get to see each other and hang out with each other, we're always on the same page. We always know what we're about. We threw together a sick match. And uh, the LGBTQ main event was sick for first wrestling. It is an honor to be in the ring with other LGBTQ talents like Devon Monroe, like Dark Sheik. But it is also sick that we have earned a place in that main event. And the people are going crazy for it. They love the match. I got to be a little bit of a dick. I did, and this won't register to you, but the people will know. I popped out a little cattle mutilation on Devon Monroe just to blow a kiss to O'Brien Danielson, let him know I know what I'm talking about, and tell William Regal I'm still very entertaining, and he can come talk to me if he feels like it. Like cattle mutilation? Cattle mutilation. Yeah, I'll like show you the UFO move. UFO style? Uh, less surgical, but very painful okay. for the cattle. Yeah. It was a sick match. We had a lot of cool triple threat moments. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I got to hang out with a lot of cool people in Minneapolis. And they brought me a spectacle of edible treats. And it was beautiful. And to see such a wide, weird, diverse group of people get drunk and chant at wrestling, it made me very happy. And Minneapolis, I kind of took it in this way. And I talked to a truck driver um, who was at the same hotel as me. And obviously he travels around a lot. I travel around a lot. So he gets to see a lot of the places. He said, the thing is here, man, if you're coming this time of year, which it's spring, it was perfect. It was like 60 and a little windy windy and very sunny. He said, if you come in this time of year, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Everybody's so nice. He said, but that's because for eight damn months out of the year, these people are frozen and hammered and stuck in their house. He said, that's what they have to do up here. And so when they come out into the sun, everybody's super nice because they remember the sun and and they have no choice but to be kind to each other. And I was like, it might be an oversimplification, but I do certainly like coming to Minneapolis in the spring much more than I do in the winter. But you know what? For the beautiful people in Minneapolis, I'll come any damn time of year. And if y'all want to get drunk because it's cold, God bless, do it. Same deal in Winnipeg. They said, we get drunk because it's cold. And I said, that makes so much fucking sense. Of course, I'm down here in the humidity going, I don't need to drink alcohol. I'm just fine. Sitting here sweating my ass off, just smoking all day. These people have to be warm. They got to take diesel fuel to the chest to understand how to get through coldness like that. If you say, if your temperature starts with negative, there's no way, dude. I'm out of there. There's no way I'll survive. Like, give me malt liquor. I got to live through this. Did you not wear uh, appropriate clothing for the (laughs) weather again? I, I had to take my hoodie off. Okay. I brought long pants and a hoodie and it was perfect outside. 
and I had to take my hoodie off, and I felt good about that. I felt great. I will also say at this venue, what's odd is we kept having to go through the kitchen, and it felt like we were being really inconvenient. Like to get into the green room, you had to go through the kitchen of this restaurant. But the only thing this restaurant served, Peter, and I mean the only thing, were, <laughs> were those like self-sized personal frozen pizzas, like from a grocery store. What? Yeah, like you know the ones that are not, not like DiGiorno's. I'm talking like. It's a little pizza. Do you have a dollar fifty? It's the only thing. So there's just this microwave pizza kitchen, but it's a full kitchen, and we kept having to go through it. And of course, I went through it a few times because I kept having to go have an adult jazz cigarette and take in the beautiful Minneapolis outdoors. But man, Minneapolis, I love it. Just like Chicago, man. March through about September, we're in business, baby. But when it's that cold, y'all got me nervous. We got to at least have an indoor area for, for Effie to go to. I'll sit in the sun, sit in the park, and just waste time if it's hot. But if it's cold, I'm scared, and I'm very short, and I can't handle that. Minneapolis is beautiful. Now, I got to sleep in. I felt bad because me and Dark Sheik roomed together at the same hotel. And Dark Sheik, the flight, the flight change couldn't be done for under a million dollars or something because the flights are ridiculous right now. Cause she was like, if I could just not go to the airport at 6am, I would love that. And I was like, right. Where do you have to be? You don't have to be home. My flight wasn't till one PM. So I was going to check out right at noon, get to the airport. Perfect timing. She said, that sounds like a way better plan, but she had to get up at 6am, 5am something and go to that airport and handle that deep security line. Now I took it easier and here's where we're going to get to a little forgiveness, Peter. From me to the world. Got to the airport, checked my bag. I always check the bag first to see how much time I have. I like checking my bag, especially going home. I'm not nervous checking a bag going home because if they lose my shit, I'm home. I don't give a I don't give a damn. You got a week to get it to me. They bring it to you in a taxi if they lose it. Have you ever lost luggage? No. They have a taxi driver pull up with your bag. That's Amazing. the cheapest way they found to do it. It's incredible. Um I go outside and have an adult cigarette before this flight. And I walk in and I go through the clear line and there's no one there. And I'm feeling very just gracious and positive. I'm going home to a new apartment. I got the late flight, Peter, because I didn't think we'd have a place yet. And I was like, it's one extra shower that I don't have to think about. Like, I'll just stay in the hotel room that morning and get home a little later. It, we're we're going to be roughing it anyway. We were not roughing it. And I was coming home to a nice place. There's nobody in the clear line. A lot of people in the regular line. Get clear or get pre. Like, do something about it if you're going to be flying. It's crazy that we just don't understand the worth and value of our time. 20 minutes to me on the other end of security is uh, it's worth any amount of money in the world. Uh, and I noticed someone. And there's nothing very special about this person. But they were working in the TSA. And they were... You ever see somebody who just, like, kind of... Like, not like in a rude way, but you're like, oh, they're like this. This is kind of their calling. Like, this is the, kind of their thing. Like, they know what they're talking about. If people are having difficulties, they're filling them in. They're helping get the lines through. And I kind of looked around and I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of TSA agents here. And then I thought about how many airports there were. I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of TSA agents. And I think they get paid a little more than they used to. And I'll say this. All right. I don't blame anyone for being bad at their job right now. I said it the other day. Most people at, at jobs that we go to now, uh, they're wearing the uniform, but they're not playing by the kayfabe. 
People just kind of don't give a shit anymore, Peter. There's an apathy. It's why Orange Cassidy got as big as he did, as fast as he did. America is apathetic because we haven't been given the things we were promised, and we're all waiting for these old people who are in charge of things to die. I hope they hear that the way I'm saying it. We're waiting for you to die. And so that creates a bit of an apathy, and there's a lot of people of different ages, different religions, different creeds, different types, uh, different genders in the TSA. And for as bad as they are and as much trouble and grief as they've caused me and as much as they've probably not done anything. I tweeted Friday when I was mad. I said, if you went hunting for rabbits and 20 years later you had never caught one rabbit, would you not start wondering if maybe there weren't any rabbits? And someone said, but what if you did catch rabbits and you had to cover up that you found the rabbits so other people couldn't find the rabbits to protect that you were finding the rabbits? And I said, that's even worse logic. Let's forget about rabbits. It is a fact that they've never caught a terrorist, Peter. That's a statistical fact. You can say, oh, the shoe bomber, this and this. He wasn't even going to use the bomb on the plane. He was like, no, I'm putting it together at the other end. I got things to do with this bomb. I'm not trying to use it here. But they have stopped a lot of people from bringing hot sauces and grandma's salsas and drinks and water through the line. and That's fine. They have made us all put our dirty little feet on the floor together, just rubbing our nasty socks on the same tile over and over, feeling the warmth of the last 300 people that walked through. And it sounds like I'm still being hateful, Peter. I'm not. I'm going to say this. Can I say a hateful thing before you say Please, God. Okay. So uh, when I was back in high school, there was this guy that went to our church. We can never figure out exactly what he did. He just had all these like random kind of jobs. Like he would just like drive exotic cars down to like South America and sell them <laughs> and like just other wild stuff. And uh, he somehow got a job working, uh, like, testing security for TSA. Oh. And he uh, is, like, crowning. Yeah, he got everything through. Like, he just did all this shit. He was like, you guys are not good at this. And his, like, crowning achievement is that he got a Japanese woman that did not speak any English to put a gun that he gave her in her purse, and she got it on the flight. (laughs) the tsa may not be a functional entity in the sense that they had hoped but i had a reflective moment and i don't know why it was just this one person it's not like i haven't noticed tsa people before they're normal people they just have to say the script not everyone is effie and i'm not saying that as a diva but I have cultivated a set of skills where I get to kind of live in fantasy land, Peter. I mean, we're here recording a podcast. That's part of what I do. And I'm glad, and I was glad for a moment, that there were this many jobs being made available from just kind of a huckster make-believe warning threat. But most people going through the line aren't thinking like Effie. And they're probably happy that there's security, and they're happy that they're feeling safe, that kind of false little sense it's cute for them it makes everybody feel like they're going to to the safety zone but all these people have jobs and all these people may not like their job but if it gives some of them a purpose if it gives some of them a reason to wake up if it gives some of them a way to feed their kids or buy gundams they can put together in their spare time then fuck it you know what i can handle the inconvenience of the tsa and i'll tell you this mentally i think this is going to do me a fuck ton of good peter because Truthfully, it, it is one of my, uh, it, it's one of my rituals. It's the way I get to work. Some people drive their car to their job. I get it. 
I get on a train. I get to the airport. I go through the TSA. I get on a plane. It's part of the ritual. Why am I fighting this part of the ritual that every time is going to be a problem? And if I worry about it, it's going to be even more of a problem. And with all the people that I've met and all my different jobs and things and ways and moving and stuff, you can get through security just fine, kid. It's just a test of the morning. We've done this one before. Do you need to check my pockets for zippers? Cool. I know to empty it. I know to go quick. Now, I'll still be pissed at the, at the travelers that don't quite understand that you just take your fucking shoes off and you don't need to wear your necklace through and your belt does need to be removed, sir. You don't need a cell phone on the side of your pants while you're walking through security and you don't need to act surprised when they tell you that you have a cell. So really, some of my frustration was actually coming from the other humans completing the ritual who don't do it as often, who don't know the spells as well, who don't know the stances. And that's okay because some of these people are feeling their purpose. They're feeling their truth. And in a time where it is hard to make money in America, and in a time where things are getting more expensive, fuck it. I'm glad y'all have jobs. I'm glad y'all get paid. And I'm glad y'all are making the airlines pay for this shit, even though I'm paying for it in the end anyway. That's the truth. I've made peace with my arch nemesis. My soul is free. My mercury is in retrograde. And my spirit is bubbling again. This is a new Effie. This is a new podcast. This is a new moment. Is it not? Do you not feel the joyfulness? Oh, absolutely. We're in a new functional space. I was saying before this that I GPSed how far it is to walk to your house now. And it said 40 minutes to walk to your house from my new place, which is very close to you. It's not that far. But I think at gay speed, I think 22 and a half is about where I'm going to be able to walk over here from. So if I'm a little sweaty when I get here... It's okay, because I just wandered through Piedmont Park in the middle of the day to come talk to you. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that we're so close to each other. So close. It all worked out. The boy wanted to be in Midtown. He said a spell. He didn't know it. We'll talk more about that later. That's intense. But one last thing we're going to talk about is enjoy wrestling, because Thursday night, the 12th, and the following week, and the week before this, if you missed an episode, Enjoy Wrestling is presenting Renegade, a three-part series of professional wrestling filmed their way in Pittsburgh at the Mr. Smalls Theater. It's a beautiful venue. It is beautiful to watch wrestling in it, and they are shooting this wrestling like you've never seen before. The lighting, the stances, the angles, it's lovely storytelling, and hot take, best part, they have motion graphics. Yeah, motion graphics. And uh, if you tune into this week's episode, not only are you going to see a big eight-person tag match with Billy Dixon, MSP, and Mikey Montgomery of the Bitcoin Boys taking on the Rip City Shooters and the production, Ohio's famous double duo of trouble. But in that main event, you're going to get outlandish Zicky Dice from Twitch, from Impact, taking on the work of art herself, Edith Surreal, in a main event contest that you do not want to miss. The week after that, Still going to be even more action. Enjoy Wrestling is going to bring you two of the best professional wrestlers in the world today facing off. Lee Moriarty of AEW fame and Speedball Mike Bailey of I sucked his toes until he moaned yes into giving up for a match. Check the cage match. That's going to be an insane contest for Enjoy Wrestling. But the main event, MV Young, the Enjoy champion. After defeating Mr. Grimm in a casket match, what's he up against this time? AEW superstar J.D. Drake in a rematch contest from an Effie's Big Gay Brunch where J.D. Drake the first time was victorious. Let's see what happens. I'm excited to watch it. I love Enjoy Wrestling. I cannot wait to be back. I can't spoil anything, but I will be back very soon to Enjoy Wrestling. Peter, what do we got? What do you got? Uh, I still have Aliens for sale on my Etsy site. Can we plug uh, that Etsy heavy right now? Yeah, let's do it. 
What's the URL, Peter? I can't remember everything. Uh, it's Etsy slash shop slash uh, Low Sky Dance. And I think if you just go on to Etsy and search Low Sky Dance, it will pull up as well. And, and it's also on my Twitter bio and my Instagram, which are both at Low Sky Dance. I hope more people are following you on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Low Sky Dance is a fun one to follow, and it makes me feel like I get to touch the alien world as well because there's some beautiful artwork that comes through. Peter, you're a lighting and art wizard. You're a an analog technician in a digital world, and I think it's beautiful. Now, I've got to plug one thing here real quick. I'm about to bring some shit into your house, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to pay you to take pictures of it, okay? Now, I don't want to give away exactly what we have, but I will say one of the items. It's the guitar Jeff Jarrett hit me over the head with. Oh, shit. Someone saved the guitar. Shout out Giancarlo. He sent it to me. We are going to be auctioning off the guitar that Jeff Jarrett originally hit me in the head with on New Year's Day of 2022, kicking off what may be more than half of my year dealing with motherfucking Jeff Jarrett. I'm going to have another announcement next week about Jeff Jarrett. I think you guys can probably take a guess at what it may be. And yeah, it does involve kicking Jeff Jarrett's ass. So just get ready for that. But I think you're going to, I think you're going to enjoy the other two items too, Peter. You may have seen them before. I'm, I'm so curious. There's like no telling what it could be. I found a like funny little crossover between um, my astrology world and your wrestling merch stuff. Uh, oh, yes. So there's a website called Spear and Sundry that is a astrological remediation website to where they basically like make all this uh, like incense and like... Um, like anointing oil and like perfume, okay, and like talismans, and they even have like like a like bath stuff infused, and they okay. do it like uh, under these like perfectly picked out times. Well, the um, Black Alchemy Phoenix Lab that you yes. have perfume with, they've done collaborations with them. I love that. So, and they're like a deep because I was they have like these huge blog posts where they explain their whole method. Yeah, I and mean, I was like, oh, maybe they're just like helping reduce it. No, they're like involved in the astrology of it. That's incredible. They're figuring it all out. Shout out Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab. You can get my fragrance and beard oil from their website. It's phenomenal. I love the stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, uh, but. If you have a beard, you may as well get a good smelling beard oil, right? Oh, exactly. Let's let's bring the universes together. Universes collide.